Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Episode 38 of Calm Words for Anxious Hearts. Listening to that, you are. Since all these episodes begin in the same way, I thought I'd try talking like Yoda. Anyway, where was I? Uh, Yes, we're now in part four. Part four of a four-part series entitled Money, Grace, and Extravagant Generosity. And I want to start this episode, this final episode in our generosity series with a question, followed by a passage from Scripture, and the question is this, what is it that you want Jesus to do for you? I mean, right, we all approach faith with some expectation that faith will make a difference in our life, and so what do you want to see happen in yours? What is it you want Jesus to do for you? A reading from the Gospel of Mark. They came to Jericho, As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to Jesus, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed Jesus on the way. Here ends the reading. Then Jesus said to Bartimaeus, What do you want me to do for you? Now, this is not the first time in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus has asked someone this question. In fact, just a few verses earlier, he asked the same question to James and John. And do you remember how they answer? Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Translation? We want power. We want prestige. We want a place of honor in the kingdom of God. That is what James and John thought they wanted. And of course, Jesus had to break the news that they were confusing their instinctual wants with their deep spiritual yearnings and that the power they crave is a mere substitute for the abundant life they really want, a life that has nothing to do with what they can get but rather in the quality of what they can give. Which brings us to Bartimaeus, the main character in the story that I've chosen for today's episode. We're told that Bartimaeus is a beggar, and so his life literally revolves around what he can get. Day by day, Bartimaeus sits by the road wanting nothing more than to receive something. He has a cloak, which he uses to collect money, And because our theme is generosity, I'll go ahead and say that when viewed through that lens, we can see Bartimaeus' cloak as a metaphor. 
a symbolic representation of a life that is solely focused on what we can receive. And you know, Bartimaeus, he's probably getting by just fine. His cloak fills up day after day with money, and Bartimaeus survives. But survival isn't what Bartimaeus really wants. What he wants is to live, to experience the abundant life that God created all of us to know. And so whenever he hears that Jesus is coming, Bartimaeus is filled with hope because he wants more for himself. And so Bartimaeus cries out, not once, but twice, for Jesus to open his eyes. And that's exactly what happens. Take heart, Jesus says. Get up. I am calling you. Take heart. Get up. I am calling you. And aren't these the words that we all really want to hear? The experience we all so badly want to have for Jesus Christ to see us, for him to notice us in this big, confusing world, for him to speak to us whenever we're discouraged and clinging to our cloak, wanting to let go but not quite sure how to do it. Isn't that what we want? For Jesus to speak our name to open our eyes and to tell us that even we are among the chosen, that even we are among the called, that even we can experience not existence, but life and life more abundantly. This encounter changed Bartimaeus' life. Mark is very, very clear about that because the moment Jesus speaks his name, Bartimaeus springs up and drops his cloak once and for all. And only then, when he has left his cloak behind, only then does Jesus ask him that tender and soul-piercing question, what do you want me to do for you? And what does Bartimaeus say? Not power, not prestige, not a place of honor in the kingdom of God, but sight. Lord, I just want to see again. So these past few weeks, we've spent a lot of time talking about extravagant generosity, meaning that we as a church have been trying to see again, to see that giving lies at the heart of the happiness that all of us want, the Father giving his Son, the Son giving his life, the Spirit giving us courage to live more generous lives. But the overarching thread, the strand woven into each of these podcasts, is that the abundant life we want is found not in what we get, but rather in the quality of how we give. And so as we bring this podcast series to a close, it's really important for me to be clear. God doesn't want a portion of our money or a portion of our time, or a portion of ourself. No, the gospel is much more challenging and exciting and beautiful and hard and true. It's that God wants you, that God actually wants it all, all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. That is what God wants. And for us to give, to give our money, to give our time, to give our presence rooted in that awareness. But of course, that can be really hard, and it's a practice we all need to learn. 
Why? Because other things clamor for our attention. And so perhaps an illustration. A few years back, I made some sweeping changes to my diet, and one such change involved foregoing dairy, meaning that when cooking, I could no longer use butter. I had to find a substitute. So I went shopping the next week, and I purchased a new product I was very excited about called um, I Can't Believe It's Not Butter. I went home, I grilled a steak, and then I sprayed <laughs> sprayed what I later discovered to be a mix of food coloring, hydrogenated oil, water, and plastic onto a New York strip, and I took a bite, I chewed, I grimaced, and I immediately knew that this product was not named appropriately. I could, in fact, believe that this was not butter. But it's not always that obvious, is it? The substitutes we use to fill ourselves because for whatever reason, we've lost touch with the real thing. We want belonging. We substitute fitting in. We want faith. We substitute certainty. We want meaning. We substitute productivity. We want to be loved by God. We substitute being needed by God. We want a life that is spiritually and relationally rich. We substitute money. And though our minds may be fooled into thinking these substitutes can nourish us, our souls and our bodies and our emotions are not fooled. And if we are honest with ourselves, we know they don't work. You and I are created in the image and likeness of a deeply generous God And we will only become who we are to the extent that we learn the joy of living generous lives. And I know that generosity is hard. I know that generosity is hard. In fact, I would love to be the generosity leader in the Newton family. I'm not. My wife, Emily, she is the generosity leader in our family and the one who has taught me more about generosity than anyone I know. In fact, whenever we moved to Austin back in 2018, Our expenses went up a little bit and our income went down a little bit. And so we were talking through a family budget and how to make it all work. And sadly, I'm the one who floated the idea. You know, we currently give a whole lot of money to St. Michael's. Maybe we can't afford to give at the level we're currently giving. And it was Emily who said, that can't be an option for us. That is not a place in our life where we want to start negotiating. And I immediately knew that Emily was right. And so we're going to increase our commitment to St. Michael's this year. And it's going to be our fourth year to do that in a row. But I share that because I know that generosity is hard. And generosity is supposed to be hard. But I also know that when it comes to generosity, there is no substitute. Which is why in the long run, not being generous is a much more difficult path. Because remember, this conversation about generosity isn't about St. Michael's. It's not about what the church needs. It is about our need to be generous. And so I want to share with you a quote from the late Henry Noun, and it comes from his book, A Spirituality of Fundraising. And I shared this quote in my first sermon on generosity back in early October, but I want to share it again because it's really changed the way I see giving, and so I want to end this series with that quote. This is what Noun writes. We are inviting people into a new way of relating to their resources by giving people a spiritual vision 
We want them to experience that they will in fact benefit by making their resources available to us. We truly believe that if their gift is good only for us who receive it, it is not fundraising in the spiritual sense. Fundraising from the point of view of the gospel says to people, I will take your money and I will invest it in this vision only if it is good for your spiritual journey and only if it is good for your spiritual health. In other words, we are calling them to an experience of conversion. You won't become poor. You will become richer by giving. We can confidently declare with Paul, you will be enriched in every way for your great generosity. End quote. And so as we bring this four-week series to a close, I want to thank you for engaging with me. And my invitation to you is to become richer to become richer and to know your spiritual journey enriched through the practice of generosity and giving. And so if you're thinking about making a financial commitment to St. Michael's Episcopal Church, please don't ask the question, what does St. Michael's need? Because when it comes to generosity, that is not the question. The question is always, what quality of life do I most want? And then take heart, get up, And know that Jesus is calling you. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, God, the people of St. Michael's, deeper into the way of truth and generosity, and establish among us that peace which is the fruit of righteousness, that together we may become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.